This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Last year, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, held a lavish event called Red Sea Week. Somewhere around 60 mega yachts were rented by the government or people close to the government to bring around some of the world's wealthiest people and show them what a wonderful destination Western Saudi Arabia is. One of the people who got his own mega yacht was Yasser al-Ramayan, the head of the Saudi government's sovereign wealth fund. He was hosting two of the world's richest men on the yacht, people who the Saudi government does business with. One of them is Mukesh Ambani, who is one of the richest men in Asia. Another man there was Masayoshi Son, the head of SoftBank. And on the yacht, when those two men were there, was Carla DiBello. Carla DiBello, a 35-year-old American with almost no formal business training and who previously was a producer for the Kardashians, had a seat at the table with Ambani and Son. And it wasn't entirely clear to any of the people there what her role was. DiBello isn't an official part of the Saudi fund, but she's become a high-profile figure in Saudi Arabia's investment scene, appearing at events with people at the highest levels of power and helping negotiate deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And her proximity to the fund seems to be in contrast with the Saudis' stated goals, raising questions about how the Saudi fund operates. Today on the show... The surprising story of Carla DiBello, an American with access to the highest echelons of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, February 18th. So, Justin Sheck, you cover international finance, and you've written a lot about Saudi Arabia. Why does Carla DiBello's rise to prominence stand out to you? So historically, in Saudi Arabia, business was an outgrowth of the oil industry, run by people who were either members of the royal family or high-ranking government officials who were close to members of the royal family. Those people tended to be wealthy, powerful Saudi men, often men who would travel with a large entourage. That would be the conduit to doing business in the kingdom. Carla DiBello was a real departure from that. She wasn't part of this bigger established structure. She was someone who was coming in alone as a woman and with her own deals to pitch. How exactly did she do that? I mean, it can't be easy to break into the Saudi business world, not just as somebody who's not from Saudi Arabia, but also for a woman in a country that suppresses women. So Carla DiBello gave an interview to a woman named Suzanne Quest in a YouTube series called Defining Moments. And what DiBello said is that this notion we have in America that in Saudi Arabia, women are not treated equally to men, in her experience, she found that wasn't true. If anything, to be very honest, I feel more respected and at times safer in the Middle East than even in America. You know, as a businesswoman there, and and especially an American businesswoman there, I feel really respected on the same level 
And that's sort of eyebrow-raising because in the most literal sense, there are different laws that apply to women versus men. Mohammed bin Salman has lifted a lot of the restrictions on women, such as, you know, allowing them to drive and making it so they can, you know, travel outside the country without the permission of a male companion. There are other laws that are still in place that require women to get a male guardian's permission to do certain things. In terms of business, most Saudi companies are still owned and run by men. Just two years ago, in 2018, the Saudi government said women were allowed to open businesses without consent from their husbands or a male relative. And it's very rare for a woman to be involved in finance or deal-making like DiBello has been. One of DiBello's first public appearances in Saudi Arabia was in 2017 at Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's annual conference called the Future Investment Initiative. Mohammed bin Salman had invited a whole bunch of the world's wealthiest investors and politicians, and she was sort of mixing with them at this event. And all these people were like, oh, who is this? And then she started showing up at conferences with pictures on Instagram with prominent Saudi officials. One prominent person DeBello has been tied to is Yasser al-Ramayan, the head of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, and the man whose mega yacht she was on during Red Sea Week. DeBello and al-Ramayan have a close personal relationship. A relationship to al-Ramayan is very valuable. He's running one of the most consequential investment funds in the world. It has an estimated $300 billion and has poured money into American startups like Uber and Tesla. So Carla DeBello... She operates through a company called CDB Advisory, which acts in a way that we would expect, you know, an investment banker to act, which is setting up deals, hooking up investors with companies that are interested in deals, and acting as a transactional player in business between Saudi companies and Western companies. But on her LinkedIn page, she didn't appear to have a formal education in finance or business or any of the types of things you'd expect from someone who's now a dealmaker. The education DeBello has listed on her LinkedIn is a three-day course at Pepperdine University in Capital Markets. And in terms of other work experience, she's been an insurance saleswoman, a personal assistant to the casino magnate Steve Wynn, and a producer for a famous reality TV family. She had some involvement on the Kardashians' reality show. She had claimed that Kim Kardashian is one of her best friends. You know, whether she has a formal financial education or not, we know that, that a lot of dealmakers are, are good at what they do, not because, of, you know, they went to business school. It's because of their ability to deal with people. And she's shown a real ability to gain the trust of people with money and power. And it wasn't like she was a shoo-in for any of those roles. She was obviously able to gain access to those people by being good at that. So how did DeBello get connected to Saudi Arabia, both personally and as a businesswoman? So Carla DeBello said the first time she went to the Gulf was 2005. She did a film festival in Dubai and got very interested in the region. And then five or six years ago, she moved to Dubai. And in this interview with Suzanne Quest, DeBello described this emotional pull she feels toward the Middle East. I had this connection with the Middle East where deep down I was like, I need to live in the Middle East. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe you lived there like in a past life. Yeah. Maybe in a past life. I was like, were... was I, yeah, was I uh, Arab in another life? But I, di- I didn't know why I had this connection, but I just knew that it was something that kept pulling me towards there. And we don't really know when she went from Dubai to doing business in Saudi Arabia. 
But piecing together our reporting of you know, talking to people and, and even like looking on her Instagram feed, it looks like she really showed up in Saudi Arabia like five or six years ago, first time, and has slowly increased her presence there. DeBello has grown her business profile in Saudi Arabia by doing things like attending investor conferences. At the same time, she's been working to raise her personal profile, too. One of the things that Carla DeBello has done recently is a number of interviews and sort of promotional videos that that you can see online speaking very positively about Saudi Arabia and about the Gulf as a region. I've uh, I've been here and I love it. And I tell everyone it's like being, it's like starting New York City before it was developed. So when people are like, what do you do? Like, it's really anything, anything from the U.S. that wants to be brought over to the Middle East. I kind of am that voice for the people in the West coming to the East. In these seemingly promotional interviews, DeBello talks about how excited she is about the region, and they're pretty colorful. In one of them that I watched, she did an interview with a publication called D-Journal. And as she's speaking in the interview, there's footage playing of a fashion photo shoot she did in the desert. She's sort of hanging off the side of a 4x4 vehicle driving on the sand dunes, wearing either a typical Saudi men's headdress or sort of a camel-colored blazer lined with the red and white checked fabric you would normally see in a Saudi man's headdress. She also uses her Instagram feed, which is followed by more than half a million people, to post glamorous photos of her life in Saudi Arabia. And she's promoting Saudi Arabia as a producer on a documentary about how the country is changing. We're lifting the veil. This is Saudi. Now. While DeBello is doing interviews and producing a documentary about how Saudi is changing, some experts there feel like her presence is a sign that in some ways Saudi isn't changing, at least when it comes to how it does business. One thing Mohammed bin Salman has said he wants to do is eliminate the role of middlemen in the sovereign wealth fund to cut down on cronyism and graft. Part of what he wanted to do in in this economic reinvention is getting away from business as usual in Saudi Arabia. This history of business being done through family relationships and personal relationships in international business norms and also according to U.S. and European laws meant to prevent bribery. There is a heightened sensitivity to middlemen, to people who play a role in business deals and get paid for them, but don't contribute anything other than relationships. Now, the caveat here is that, as we've written, Mohammed bin Salman himself has been involved in business deals that have helped him make money while he is this very high-stature person in the kingdom. So there's a lot of contradictions here, but I I think there was this notion that this has gotten out of hand. There are too many people getting too much money This needs to be trimmed, if not cut completely. And in 2017, Mohammed bin Salman hatched an audacious plan for how to clean up this type of profiteering. They turned the Ritz-Carlton into a prison, cleared all the guests out. They arrested hundreds of the country's most powerful businessmen, locked all of these men in there. And what MBS's people told them was, we've been investigating you for a number of years now. We have all these financial records that show that you've been ripping off the government. You can pay us back X amount of money, or you can stay in prison indefinitely. And a lot of the men paid financial settlements with the government. What was the message of this whole event? Well, it depends on who you ask. 
I think the message a lot of people got was, don't upset Mohammed bin Salman. But what the princes publicly said is that business was done in a way in Saudi Arabia for a very long time where people enriched themselves at the expense of the Saudi government without contributing anything of value. And now that's over. The notion that these practices were over is one reason why, when DeBello's name began popping up in deals and deal discussions, it started raising eyebrows from both Saudi and foreign investors. The more her name came up, the more they started to ask, What does she actually do? Is she actually doing anything, or is she just someone who is trying to be a presence in this world for some sort of unclear financial gain? That's after the break. Welcome back. For a number of years, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund was known to be looking to buy a soccer team. And then one day in early 2019, the head of the fund, Yasser Al-Ramayan, told some of his deputies to take a meeting, a meeting with Carla DiBello. Carla DiBello shows up in the Riyadh office of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, and a couple of senior executives are told that they are to meet with her. And one person who described this to us and said it wasn't clear to anyone why they were meeting with with this person, Carla DiBello. All they knew was that she had been a reality TV producer. DiBello and a business partner were there to represent a UK soccer team called Newcastle United. They pitched a deal that the Saudi fund would buy the team for about $445 million. As part of bringing that deal to the fund, DiBello and her business partner would help run the team and get paid for their services, in addition to getting an ownership stake. And the way it was described to us is that she was confident, but when they asked for financial details of the deal, she wasn't able to really offer significant financial details. They asked about the basic things like financial returns, and it was, oh, you know, we can discuss that later, we'll, we'll get to that later. And so these guys were struck by the, the idea they were meeting with someone who did not contribute any value to the deal other than being the person who brought it to them. The Saudi Public Investment Fund is one of the world's biggest and highest profile investors. It doesn't need a middleman to get a meeting with anyone. If you're a company that might want money, or even if you're not sure if you want money, if, if the Public Investment Fund calls, any company will meet with them. So the notion that someone who doesn't really have a lot of finance experience could bring value just by scheduling a meeting is somewhat dubious. It, it seemed to them at odds with the stated purpose of the PIF, which was to create this westernized, internationalized business in Saudi Arabia. What do you make of the fact that Al-Rumayan, the fund's CEO, told them to take a meeting with someone who he has a personal relationship with? Well, her lawyer told us that she's close with him and his family. And, you know, whatever the nature of a, of a personal relationship, any personal relationship is potentially problematic when it comes to deal-making, because if I, as the head of a sovereign wealth fund, am making a deal with a friend or a family friend or someone I'm close with who's on the other side of it, it's possible that I am taking into account the interests of my friend in addition to the interests of the fund to whom I have a fiduciary responsibility. A lawyer for DiBello said it wasn't true that DiBello can provide foreign businesses with access to Al-Ramayan because of their personal relationship. The lawyer also said that DiBello has never been paid by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. But in at least one instance, DiBello was arranged to be paid specifically for her personal connection to Al-Rumayan. 
So one of the examples in the story that we wrote about is, is Juul, the electronic cigarette maker. Sources told us that Juul was looking for investment, so Carla set up a meeting between a Juul executive and Yasser Aramayan. And it was considered like a huge get because they actually got in the room with him, which is hard to do. Despite DeBello making the connection, Juul didn't end up getting an investment from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Other companies, though, are less sure of how to deal with DeBello. In Europe and the U.S., there are specific laws against paying a middleman for what could appear to be a bribe. What some people told us in our reporting was that there was at least one company where Carla DeBello had offered to create some kind of access, to set up some kind of meeting. And because she wasn't clearly someone who, who was doing this on a professional level, like a banker, they were not sure if it would be appropriate to pay her for access, to pay some for access based on a personal relationship. And so they sought legal advice on it. It's unclear if the meeting ever happened, but the company didn't end up doing any deal with the Saudi fund. And amid all the scrutiny on DeBello's role, Al-Rumayan is getting scrutiny as well. The fund has not been performing that well. It's hard to call it a disaster at this point, but some of their biggest bets, you know, Uber hasn't done great. And so there's increased scrutiny on Yasser Al-Rumayan's management of the fund. And because of that, things like this relationship or, you know, anything else that might come up will get more scrutiny than if the fund was doing really, really well. Right, because it raises questions about whether personal relationships might be influencing some of the investment decisions. Yes. I think you get sort of a free pass on stuff when you're making wild amounts of money. A spokesman for the fund said the Wall Street Journal's account of DeBello's role is, quote, misrepresenting of facts, but he didn't specify what facts he was referring to. What, is, what are your takeaways from this? What, what does this tell you about what's going on in Saudi Arabia? Because on the one hand, Carla DeBello sounds like she has succeeded in a world that has traditionally suppressed women, and she is now in a position of being a dealmaker. But on the other hand, she seems to represent the sort of middleman that Mohammed bin Salman is, is explicitly trying to reduce the influence of. This is the kind of tension around Carla DeBello, is that on the one hand... It requires a level of confidence and courage to be an individual woman in Saudi Arabia who's going to show up and start requesting meetings on her own and going to the Sovereign Wealth Fund and meeting in these male-dominated spaces. Operating alone with confidence is something that isn't like a thing in Saudi Arabia. You don't see that. On the other hand, there's this troubling and familiar sense that she's you know, capitalizing on a personal relationship to make money. So there's this tension in Saudi Arabia where, on the one hand, there's this old way of doing business. On the other hand, you know, you have Mohammed bin Salman who's trying to create a new way of doing business in Saudi Arabia. But it feels somewhere in between or maybe transitional where he's gotten rid of a lot of the old people who he felt were skimming money from the government but they're not necessarily being replaced by a new system yet. That remains to be seen, that they're being replaced by new people. And it looks like, you know, some of those new people doing things the old way. That's all for today, Tuesday, February 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. 
Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.